get made in America Mama told me that I belong here Had to earn our stripes, had to learn our rights Had to fight for a home here But I wouldn't know a thing about that All I know is drugs and rap I probably could have been some kind of doctor Instead of holding guns and crack I was born in the mainland Great grandpa from a strange land He was stripped away and given bricks to lay I guess you could say he a slave hand But I was made in America So I don't know a thing about that All I know is Uncle Sam looking for me Working on this corner so I know I gotta pay tax Getting paid in America I was raised in America And this is all I ever known If I'm wrong then you better come save me America Welcome to Testimony A Musician Story Presents Race and Reconciliation Welcome to America Normally, Testimony A Musician Story features a Christian hip-hop artist and tells their story through my narrative, clips of their interview, and their music. We are basically a 30-minute audio documentary series. We've decided to use the same formula and have a conversation with a white Dallas police officer, a black rapper, and a white rapper. And because we promote Christian hip-hop, this episode will include music from CHH artists who have been vocal about race in America. For a complete track listing, visit TestimonyStories.com. I'm seeing the oppression of the people. Some police ain't even legal, but they got the public scared to go and shout it from the state. How am I going to say it? Because I can no longer take it. I've been all across these states and I witnessed that racial hatred. You can go and hate it. You can choose to embrace it. I'm stripping my heart naked because this topic here is sacred and it's clear facts. But this world ain't trying to hear facts. The Masons in the clan is clicked up trying to kill blacks. They're keeping us enslaved, but now it's mentally got us caged up, and it's been that way for centuries. Modern day plantations are these mental penitentiaries. The way this world is turned, and ain't never how it was meant to be. Go back to Genesis, check out our arch nemesis. He robs us of our peace, but he never replenishes. He's the father of every lie in the world, and that darkness coming at us is disguised as a pearl. So pay attention. History shows that racism is embedded in the American culture. There are records of almost every race being discriminated against by the majority white race. In 1787, delegates of the Constitutional Convention debated the issue of slavery. George Mason of Virginia argued against slavery, saying, every master of slaves is born a petty tyrant. They bring the judgment of heaven on a country. Delegate John Rutledge of South Carolina countered by saying, religion and humanity have nothing to do with the question. He argued that it wasn't about whether the Constitution should protect slavery. It was simply a question of property rights. Back then, blacks were considered property. They were not considered a person, but rather three-fifths of a person. Once blacks were legally considered to be people, later the issue of civil rights arose. February 19, 1942, President Franklin Roosevelt authorized the deportation and incarceration of more than 110,000 people of Japanese ancestry who had lived on the Pacific coast. In 1965, a group of predominantly Mexican and Filipino farm workers battled with grape growers for improved compensation and labor conditions. That battle lasted years. In all of those instances, 
it took a relentlessly strong vocal group of people to stand up in order for laws to be changed, systems to be altered, and moral compasses to be adjusted. In 2008, a half-black and half-white man who will forever be known as the first black president became the leader of the free world. Since then, there have been rumors that racism is dead. With the ever-growing popularity of social media, there have been countless posts of camera footage showing injustices towards black men and oftentimes even murder. Committed by civilians, i.e. the deaths of Trayvon Martin and 17-year-old Jordan Davis, who had loud rap music coming from his SUV. But the majority of the videos include police officers sworn to protect and serve killing black men, i.e. Oscar Grant, 2009, and Eric Gardner, 2014. On July 5th, 2016, video footage of a 37-year-old black man by the name of Alton Sterling being shot several times at close range while being held down on the ground by two Baton Rouge police officers surfaced. On July 6, 2016, the day after Alton Sterling's shooting, viewers watched Philando Castile of Minnesota take his last breath after being shot several times by a police officer with his girlfriend in the car next to him and her four-year-old daughter in the back seat. On July 7, 2016, one day after the death of Philando and two days after the death of Alton, a black male sniper killed five Dallas police officers and wounded seven other officers. Now, let's meet our Dallas police officer, Ben. Ben asked not to mention his last name, nor department. Officer Ben grew up listening to hip-hop and was a huge fan of Wu-Tang Clan and anything East Coast. When he gave his life to Christ, someone introduced him to the music of CHH Pioneer's Cross Movement. He has been a fan and friend of the genre ever since. I grew up outside of a Christian home. And it wasn't until the death of a friend uh, where I was invited to church uh, that I ended up going and subsequently a few years later accepted Christ. Uh, and so just in following that, I felt the call into, into the ministry and started pursuing that at a Bible college and had the opportunity to um, speak at a church specifically about you know, basically the, the, the Good Samaritan story and using Cross Movement's Human uh, Emergency album, if you remember that, it talks about how, you know, if a police car comes up behind you, signs, signs and signals with the lights and sirens that you're supposed to pull over, that's what you're supposed to yield. You're supposed to yield. That's what you're supposed to do. But what about us as believers? When our friends are going through uh, the worst of the worst in their life, do we yield to that? So I, I spoke that message and was approached afterward by a police officer. I grew up hating cops, uh, didn't really have too much interaction with them, 
but just culturally, I didn't like them. I think a big part of it was hip-hop culture told me not to like the cops. Growing up in Southern California in the late 80s was, you know, that that was just kind of the, the standard mindset out there, or at least it, it was for me. And uh, it was it was really based upon everybody else's story. I, I didn't really have too much uh, interaction, and the one interaction that I did have, I thought it was totally negative. Now, in retrospect, it totally makes sense. I got invited to do a ride along, and it was in that moment where I understood that I was warm in a church pew instead of being out in my community with you know so many different events that were going on that I had no clue was going on in my own backyard. So at that point, uh, seeing God's call, uh, I applied at, at one department. And that was just over 11 years ago. So I've been in law enforcement for 11 years, doing everything from patrol to background investigation, negotiations, training officer, taser instructor, and, and a few other things. So I've, I've got kind of a diverse law enforcement portfolio. Now right now, churn each time that I speak and spread the true wider than Dizzy Gillespie's cheeks. Oh, our culture can never be deleted. Understand one thing, we are the undefeated. Yeah. D1, the undefeated. Uh, be real, be righteous, and be relevant. You hear me? D1 is a black rapper born and raised in New Orleans. He was a middle school math teacher who saw problems with the public school administrative system that ultimately hurt the students. D1 observed his students looking up to rappers and felt he could make it as an artist spreading a positive message of being real, righteous, and relevant. Now his former students see him touring the world with mainstream rappers like Lupe Fiasco and making appearances on Sway's Universe, CNN, and BET. Dee's father is extremely light and often assumed to be white, while his mother is a darker complexion. So he has witnessed discrimination by both the black race and white race. You know, we knew about racism, but honestly, it's such a melting pot down here in New Orleans that, you know, I didn't experience much um, racism. It was just like a lot of poor people, black and white, honestly, just a lot of, lot of poverty, full of a lot of poverty. And with that being said, we were all in the struggle together. Attending college was the first time that I met people from outside of New Orleans, and I only went to college an hour away from New Orleans. I went to school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the LSU. You know, it really just changed my my worldview because I I started to see other other people who listened to different types of music, who who um who who had different types of accents. I didn't even know what a New Orleans accent was because that's all I had ever heard. So I didn't have a frame of reference to compare it to until I went to college and started to be around other people. Who, who spoke differently? You know, college was a was a great time for me. I had a lot of um, a lot of pain that I went through during my college years. You know, that's when I really got serious about my spiritual life. I knew at that point there's a difference between having knowledge of God and having a relationship with God. I've experienced racism in my adult years much more than in my um, in my adolescent years. So now I'm much more aware of it. I'm, I, I see it. I see the institutional nature of it, um, you know, and, and in terms of wanting to eradicate, you know, racism or just prejudice altogether. Um, that's something that I'm very passionate about doing because, like I said, I grew up spending the night by white friends, black friends, 
you know, whoever, and we weren't worried about what color we were. So now to be an adult and to see America, you know, to see adults so divided by this stuff, it's uh, it's just hard. You know, I've had I've had friends that have been victims of hate crimes. You know, during my college years, like we had a big controversy um at LSU to where the Confederate flag that was very prevalent on our campus, you know, a purple and gold version of the Confederate flag. So LSU colors, but the Confederate flag. And you know it symbolizes the Confederacy, and and it takes you back to the 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 days of slavery and whatnot. And you have a football team that um that's probably ninety percent black that makes like all this income and and all this money for the school. But you know you had this Confederate flag that's prevalent inside the stadium during all of their games, and just on campus and all that stuff. So there was a big controversy around that, and I I actually helped to found um. One of the organizations that was that was very vocal and instrumental in trying to uh, get the Confederate flag removed from our school. I saw the hate in some people's eyes when we were trying to um, to get the Confederate flag removed from our campus. Like I saw people spitting, calling us niggas, like just making death threats, and I'm like, oh, this over a Confederate flag, a symbol of a time when 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 not all people were like when black people were treated. You know, uh, inhumane. So I was like, dang, this is crazy to some people. And that's just one example. But that one, that's the first one that jumped out in my head. That one personally affected me, literally. Like, I, li- I literally got spit on. So I, I never forget that one. A last confession. In an effort to be globally focused, I lost sight of those in front of me. The locally hopeless smiles, here your motives got the best of me. Now here's the rest of me. Trying to reach the thousands while ignoring my community Resentment took root, self-preservation began fueling me The fool in me thought I had it figured out Now it's time to live it out What if I could touch one? What if I could do for one what I would do for thousands? What if I was more present in the moment that's surrounding? Cause the present is where the presence of my God is founded So I gotta be more present If you're not familiar with the Dream Junkies There are two black rappers and one white rapper Ruslan is the white guy. He has an amazing story, and you can search for it on our site, testimonystories.com, to listen to it. Ruslan is an Armenian Christian whose family fled the Soviet Union as refugees when he was a kid. He grew up in San Diego, California, and is married to a Black woman. Together, they raised their half-Black, half-white son, Levi. Grew up in a predominantly Black and Hispanic neighborhood, and so my experience has been the overwhelming majority of my close friends, my wife, um, are all African-American. My, my son is half black. Um, and so traveling the country, being close to people who are black, um, and seeing it firsthand in terms of just how differently uh, my wife will get treated sometimes, you know, versus myself, or how I'll be with belief in John and um, how differently they'll get treated and then I can go literally to the same situation or the same, um, into the same environment and just get treated differently or, or, or get extra perks that uh, probably within the last know, 10 years, I've become more and more aware of my white privilege as a, as a, as a white male in the society, even though, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not white American, if you will, but I'm, I'm, I'm a white male. So like, I, there's, a, there's a real component of it where like, I've essentially won the, the lottery, you know, and I have no reason to complain and using my voice and my platform to speak about some of the things that are plaguing our country, 
um, like systemic racism, like unjust laws, uh, all the things that are still around that are still affecting communities of color that um, I would say most white people, uh, or, or not most, but some white people just, they just don't care or they don't see it because their perspective has been different. If you had any other answer, you've been deceived. We've been looking for salvation and education. Money leaders and policies, but we got a bigger need. We got a sin debt that we inherited. We divide ourselves by class, skin, color, and our heritage. Will I create a bankrupt to heaven so that we can all be there with brothers and sisters? Ben D1 and Ruslan have all witnessed firsthand accounts of racism in America throughout their lifetime. But does race play a part in policing? Officer Ben responds to that question. This is kind of where it gets challenging, right? Like, does race specifically play a role? I can't answer that because I think what it comes down to is I'm not sure, or at least I've, in my experience, never heard anybody that that has woken up and said, I'm going to go assault somebody of a different race or, or religion or something of that effect. But I have to wonder if, you know, you have an individual that's never been around a certain culture, that may play a part of the overall equation, if that makes sense. For some of the people that I've talked to in, in my life, they may describe somebody, um, you know, if they're referring to somebody that's white, they would just say, yeah, this dude was big. But if it was somebody that was black, they would say, man, that big old black dude ran up on us. You know what I mean? And so I'm I'm not sure what the race element has to do in terms of the describing of the event, but I think what it comes down to is we we come from uh, different cultures, and some people are are uh, more used to being around people that are that look, act, and talk different than them, and those that aren't um, struggle to make those connections more than those that have been around it more often. Maybe race plays a factor when policing, and maybe it doesn't. But when an officer is involved in a shooting, regardless of the color of the victim, what procedures are implemented in evaluating the situation? And what repercussions does the officer face when death is involved? A program that actually showed how the law is written, and it makes it very difficult. It's, it's darn near impossible, honestly, to, for, for a police officer to ever end up getting convicted whenever they uh they, they, they kill someone and it, and it's because honestly it's because the way the law is written or the way I remember it being um you know articulated is such that it, it leaves so much up to up to like the, the judgment of 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 the officer and what they felt was, was an appropriate use of uh force at the time and I think that it's something where officers are not inherently bad people at all. Like I actually love police officers. Um, my little sister is a police officer, so uh, that you know that's something where I'm I'm a big advocate for us respecting you know the great police out there. And I think it's just um, it's a brotherhood, it's a family. And I think it's the one of the problems I see is that um, it's just like a fraternity. It's like we don't see the good officers, you know, willing to call out the bad officers um, enough. And I think it makes it to where there, there's always like a hesitancy when it's like, well, maybe this was justified or we don't know all the facts when it came to this or when it came to that. And it really, 
it, it's almost like it, it. It's like talking to somebody, like when you're arguing with someone, and at the end of the day, it's like, hey, no matter what, this person will never admit that they're wrong, ever. Like, no, like there's people like that who exist. You know, they're in my family, and they'll they'll never admit that they're wrong, even if everything shows that okay, in this instance, you were wrong, but they'll still find a way to not just fully admit it. And I think that's one of the frustrations that um, citizens have. As far as the the uh, the way you know the legislative system is set up or, or the judicial system is set up to uh, to prosecute officers who may be wrong when they kill people, that's uh that's something that I don't I don't have enough knowledge to really speak on like what what would need to happen. But I know that currently it makes it very it makes it very difficult um to you know to convict officers when they you know when they kill people and that's. That's that's a problem in and of itself because sometimes these officers are dead wrong. Like sometimes they are. Not all the time. I think everyone on this phone knows that there are certain instances where deadly force was not uh, was not a mandatory reaction to whatever the situation was. And in those cases, if we consistently see that the officers are never brought to justice um, and convicted, you know, and 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 charged with um, with some form of murder, then that's where the frustration, you know, builds up. And that's where, I guess, the people who do this for a living, you know, need to try to see what, what can happen to start to get some of those convictions. You know, from, from my... From my viewpoint, I think that I'd like to think that there's equal ground between a regular citizen and myself, um, because any officer that's involved in an on-duty shooting um, or shooting otherwise, we are still, they take a report for it and they list us as a suspect for a homicide, just the same as they do for anybody else, okay? And it goes through the same process. And in fact, it goes through more scrutiny uh, not only in the public eye, but we also have an internal affairs investigation. We have a criminal investigation and likely a civil investigation that's going on in addition to it. So there's there's a lot of working parts that may not always involve a regular citizen. And those are good things. We, we need to have those things in line to make sure that all the facts are out there. The difference is that officers typically have more information than what a quote-unquote regular citizen will have. For example, if they've dealt with somebody in the past, uh, they know their criminal history, if, if you know their training and experience tends to give them an additional edge, if you will, because we are trained professionals and we should be able to recognize things that, that are potentially threats, uh, such as you know they, they've got a bulge in their waistband and they're, they're reaching for that area, um, that may communicate that it's armed and dangerous, and I need to take action in terms of patting down or, you know, additional questions and whatnot. So, yeah, overall, I would like to think that it doesn't exist. Realistically, I think that um, there is some benefit of doubt that's given by juries uh, in favor of officers, and, and I think that that's just because, you know, it's a representative of the government, and most people feel like they should trust the government. Regardless if you trust the government or not, history shows that it is more inherently dangerous to walk around as a black male than to walk around as a white male. So what do you do? What do you say? 
when you are raising a black male? Ruslan answers that question. It's tough because the things I'm dealing, I'm processing is like, man, like how, how, uh, just to be fully honest, like, I'm, oh, I'm thinking like, man, well, how black is he going to look? You know, he's, he's half white, so he looks light skinned. And um, how, how, when am I going to have to have the talk with him of how he has to be extra, 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 extra respectful in police, you know, uh, in, around police? Uh, and that he has to carry himself more in, 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 in above reproach than someone that's white. These are conversations that uh, you know parents who have white kids they don't they don't think about these things. They don't have to have these conversations. And so it's a very um, it's tough. It's hard. And, and I'm hoping that by the time you know 10, 15 years on the road, that we as a country figure out some of these things. It's hard because it's not just a it's not just a judicial system. It's not just a police issue. I think we, this is an American issue. Like we as Americans have an issue of how we view certain people, um, how we got to this place, how people of color um, are treated differently than white people. And the, the police thing, honestly, is just an overflow of that. Um, you know, different police departments have different laws. They have different trainings. Like, for example, I had a conversation. Um, we had a talk a couple weeks ago with um, three local San Marcos Sheriff's Department, and they explained their process to me of, you know, when there is an investigation, that there is a third party that investigates police misconduct, how much training they get for de-escalation versus when to use a gun, um, you know, the checks and balances they have in their department. It's it's really good, but that's just that department is different than Oceanside PD, which is you know uh, ten miles away. That's different than um, how the police are in Baton Rouge or how the police are in um, you know in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, th- th- these are different different ways. They all have different governings. They all have different systems. They all got different ways of how the police officers are trained. And even one of the police officers told me like he had a friend that became a cop, and before he even went. Uh, went through school they gave him a badge and a gun and we're like all right cool like go out there we'll figure out the rest later you know that some sometimes these guys aren't well trained some of the smaller cities and so um so you take someone that doesn't have a lot of experience with black people uh and maybe their only image of black people is what's portrayed on media is what's portrayed in movies um and they're they have a bias or predisposition or whether it's conscious or subconscious, and then you put them in a potentially threatening situation and the adrenaline is going off, they don't know how to de-escalate, and that really creates a recipe for disaster. And that's what I think we've seen in some of these issues, um, instances lately, and we're not. The hard part is that with good police officers, I think there's just there isn't a ton of awareness of how did we even get to this place? Why is there hostility towards the police department? How did, you know, it's not just a, uh, well, we, people just don't like authority. Like it's a little deeper than that, you know? And I think when we don't have a, a, a understanding of history and how we got to the situation, it becomes tough to know how, um, to properly respond and then the lack of empathy, the lack of responsibility uh, from some police officers where the police officer never acknowledges that something bad happened. Um, never takes ownership of responsibilities. Wow, oh, that really didn't look good on the surface. Um, it, it, it becomes tough. You know, we like, like he once said, we don't see enough of that. And so then that creates an additional distrust 
that it is just another gang. It's another gang, and no one wants to take ownership, and the gang could do no wrong. Um, and so even when someone does speak out and says this isn't okay, uh, they could be ostracized, and, and they're looked at different. And so I think I think it's just, uh, unfortunately, a byproduct of human nature and, and, and man's depravity, and, and it just seeps into um, law enforcement and it seeps into different communities. We about to forfeit our first freedom. Run and get your constitution, kids. You are now looking through new lenses, new hinges, the door swings, and the future enters. Don't it feel like we've been here before? And other times on American soil. I guess we're spoiled and pretend to ignore you. Because we're loyal to sin and immoral. Remember that? When we said one nation under God, indivisible. Remember that? Let freedom ring to every individual. Sweet Remember that? Sweet when we said it wasn't late to express your religious liberty. Sweet Remember that? Sweet then tell me why we quickly dismissing our own history. Officer Bin, Ruslan, and D1 all agree that there is a race issue in America. Based off of camera footage that most Americans have witnessed with their own eyes, it may be perceived that race plays an issue when policing. And that may or may not be true based on the individual officer. So where do we go from here? Are there laws and procedures that can be implemented that can eliminate some of these issues? Is there a chance for reconciliation? And if so, where does God fit into the solution? We will discuss that and more in part two of Testimony a Musician Story Presents Race and Reconciliation. As always, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Thank you for listening. And now it has evolved and it's causing a moral revolution. We ignore the Constitution and removing God from the solution. So now Christians in America start preparing for persecution. My country is a